Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my segment. This is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. We're talking football with the professor, John Clayton. If you guys have questions for John, text them in, 710-710. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let him go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Hey, I was looking at this list. Uh, 122 modern-era nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2022. Mm-hmm. You're a voter. What What is the criteria for getting on the list? I know they trim it down to 25, and then they trim it down to 15 and all that, but... Of these 122, do they have to be in the league for a certain amount of time? What What's the criteria for getting no, I mean, on the list? Basically, the criteria is you uh, you you know either you've been to a Pro Bowl or you've done uh, done well during your career. You have a pretty good established record, and then what ends up happening is that uh, you know you can uh, have people like myself vote in people. Like for example, uh, you know every year. Uh, I put in for Chuck Knox if he was not in there. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> like this year, I put in for Dave Craig because he wasn't on the list. So we'll get the initial list, and then we get to add to it. And then, of course, you know, we take everything and we vote down. And so then all of a sudden, I mean, because, again, what ends up happening, too, is that and we have a bunch of guys that are, uh, you know, go to the senior list, so they come off. And so that's uh, that's there. But again, it's like uh, you got 122. I know there's 10 uh, first year eligible. And uh, I mean, you look at this year and of course, you always carry over the guys who were in that top 10 from the previous year as far as the vote. And so they're going to be in there. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, you're all pro. Now, a lot of times what ends up happening, if you have a short career, you're pretty much not going to get on the list because you're not going to have the support to get on the list. But there's no official, hey, you need to have been in the league uh, five years. You need to have, you know, been in the top whatever of your position or any. There's no real official criteria. No, no official criteria other other than good football play. Gotcha. Hey, John, I see Jamie Collins, who can't, did he come over with Matt Patricia with the Patriots or from the Patriots to the Lions? Yeah. Now it looks like uh, they're wanting to trade him. Did he have a, sounds like he had kind of a a rough game and they're maybe want to get rid of him. Yeah, they do. I think they definitely want to get rid of him because uh, what they see is some of the things that he did in New England led him to no longer be in New England is he got lazy and he, you know, didn't work as hard. And, you know, it's like you get to see him sometimes play well and then sometimes not play hard. And that eventually, uh, you know, gets a coach who wants to bite your kneecap off in a very <laughs> angry state. And so, uh, you know, they they end up now putting him in a position and they want to get younger at linebacker. But again, this is this is Detroit and why I keep on saying that uh, Detroit had no chance to win against Green Bay and uh, no chance to win against San Francisco because instead of adding talent, they're getting rid of talent. And, you know, Jamie Collins reminds me so much of Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers and K.J. Wright of the form, now formerly of the Seahawks, now in, with the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, because, again, he's, he was real good in coverage. That's one thing. He was one of the better coverage linebackers in the National Football League. But, uh, you know, what ends up happening is that if you're not going to be putting out every down and every play, uh, all of a sudden it catches up to him. Now with a new coaching staff, you can see that it's, it's caught up to him in uh, Detroit. Hey, Dave and I were having a conversation at the beginning of the show about this defense and just trying to look at it objectively, player by player, and saying, all right, if you're if you're another team out there, how many of these guys are legit, just no-brainer starters on other teams? 
and and we basically narrowed it down to three guys and Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, and and Diggs. Outside of that, you could make a case some of these other guys would be depth and you know not superstars elsewhere. How how do you view this defense? Just trying to look at the overall talent. Well, of course, I mean you can do the same thing with the Rams too because you can look and say, okay, they got Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and uh, Leonard Floyd, and a, guy, a bunch of guys that uh, you don't know or you know they might be considered role players on some teams. Hey, it's hard to be able to get, you know, five, six guys who are great players. Seattle was able to do it in 2013, 2014 with the Legion of Boom. But, you know, those are the defenses that go down to some of the great ever. But I think what you're looking at is that, uh, you know, we, we're still getting a continued overreaction to the game on Sunday because take a, take a look at the defensive numbers around the league. I mean, you know, for example, Seattle, I think right now, you know, has the third worst defense as far as yards allowed, but yeah. Baltimore's right up there. Now, do you think Kansas City's a good football team? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I do, and I saw that also. Yeah, yeah I can, think Kansas City right now. They're has, the two worst, right? They're the two worst, Kansas City and Baltimore. <clears throat> you know, the Rams, who are the number one defense in the league last year, I mean, their numbers are down. But again, <clears throat> so much of this, and it's the sorting out process. Uh, that happens, and you've watched it when you played, Dave, and you've watched it through the years, is that now it takes a little bit longer for everything to start to come together. And, you know, the difference, this, because would you agree that when you played, and really until about five, six years ago, you know, defenses start the season ahead of offenses. Would you agree with that? Yes. Not now. No. And the reason is, is the quarterbacks now are so mobile, is that, uh, and, you know, there's more two tight end sets <clears throat> that come back and uh, you know put you in a position where it's like okay, you uh, you're running around and you can make more plays, <clears throat> and that ends up happening. And of course, it also helps that <clears throat> penalties have increased because a lot of the penalties are going to be on defense. You know whether it's going to be you know a defensive taunting rule, whether it's going to be a legal hit on the quarterback, whether it's going to be a late hit on a player. And then, of course, uh, the interference rules, because those are all big plays and add the chunk yards to your offense. Yeah, definitely with the with the penalties. I mean, look, they've just they have absolutely made it so difficult to, mm-hmm. to play. You know, you look at if you a late hit and things like that. And those are things you can't really help. So, I, you know, it's funny. We I think a lot of these guys just go. We've heard this from uh, Marquise Blair. He's like, I'm not changing the way I'm playing. So, but doesn't it typically though tail off, John? Like after you know two, three weeks, as yeah. far as like for example, like the taunting thing, because you know here's the well, thing. I don't know if I brought this up yesterday, but remember Julio Jones catches the the route, the post route on Trey Flowers, and then spins the ball, which I think is cool that he can make the the ball. You're spin very impressed with like his a, spin, like a top, like mm-hmm, a battling mm-hmm, top. Mm-hmm. But I mean that, that's taunting, John. So I mean I feel like that that stuff's going to have to back off as the season. They're, they're goes not up. backing off. They have to, John. Well, they have to, but they're not. What well, what about the 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 NFL Players Association? Because you know a lot of these guys, you know, could say, "Hey, look, I'm expressing." my you know my freedom and my emotions and the way I want to do it and it's all about oh let the guys you know do that and celebrate and everything and you know I, I would feel like they would stick up for the players the competition committee doesn't care I mean even though you have coaches on the competition committee they're the ones who voted it in the supervisor of officials uh, plans to continue to implement it it's a mistake each year I think there's always going to be some mistake in officiating as far as a rule change and this is a mistake because it takes away from the game. I mean, Tom Brady continues to to rip on some of the rule changes. Like, for, 
for example, he did not like the number changes because he thinks it makes it too confusing for the quarterbacks to be able to figure out what position the guys are. And then the next thing is, he said, the game's becoming so much softer right now because of what they're doing you know, with the penalties. Yeah. And uh, you know, penalties are up, and that's not surprising. I mean, we kind of anticipated that. But in the end, I think what you're looking at is that uh, it's going to be you know, a tough time for, for defenses to be able to catch up. But you know, I think that the, you know, the taunting rule right now, they plan to continue to implement. I mean, I, that came down from several sources in the last couple of days. Mm, wow. wrong, wrong, though it is. Yeah. Well, I wonder. Hopefully, they'll they'll change a little bit. Maybe there'll be some ridiculous. You know, that's what my dad always says. It's got to get worse before it gets better. So it might as well hurry up and get worse. So maybe we'll see something that's really, you know, some ridiculous, innocuous thing. Well, did, that, did you, I mean, you saw the uh, that defensive uh, interference rule that was there, and it took till the whole season because they didn't back off that. And all of a sudden, the Saints get into a playoff game. You know, they're playing the Rams, and they're driving down. And, of course, you had the one bad call that uh, you know, should have gone for the Saints, and it didn't, and they end up losing a chance to go to the Super Bowl because of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it was uh, it was weird. It, we'll, we'll talk to DJ Reed later. But, uh, yeah, just the way that they're, that they're putting it out there, it's just uh, – did you see anybody get kicked out, John? Was there any uh, from from last week, or have you noticed anybody? I haven't looked at every single yeah, highlight, yeah. but as far as guys getting kicked out of games, any ejections? Yeah, there's been ejections, no doubt about it. I mean, <clears throat> you got one ejection for a player that ended up going up and you know hitting a coach. That was an ejection. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the Cleveland Kansas City yeah, game. So yeah, so it's like you have that one, and you have ejections for you know hard hits on the quarterback. No, it's 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 staying at a pretty pretty solid level compared to even last year probably a little bit more than last year 710 710 is the mac and jacks text line for your questions that you have for the professor john a couple of people texting in about the availability of dalvin cook what do you know about him this weekend uh, i mean he should be able to go but again he's banged up and he was able to finish the game at all that but again i think he's going to be able to play but again you, know, you wonder with a leg injury if it's going to slow him down a little bit it very well might and what may slow him down even more is that the offensive line doesn't look very good and you know they'll have to rely so much on you know kirk cousins passing and everything else but uh you know dalvin is a great great back should be able to play but we'll see as the week goes on as far as the injury report well and remember uh when he went got banged up last year madison Mm-hmm. Uh, came in and had for like 112 yards. I don't know a, a whole lot about their offensive line, but I know that um, that Kirk Cousins has only been sacked four times, and you mm-hmm. know they've gotten some some pretty good yardage for him. It looked like they were blowing open some big holes in uh, in Arizona. Yeah, that's that's it. And you know they're a real disappointing team right now because you know we're, in fact we were talking about this on a on a show earlier today, not with Mike, but. Uh, you know what we uh, there, the question is if <clears throat> the Vikings lose to the Seahawks mm-hmm. and they I think they play Baltimore next week about, I don't I'm not sure who they play next week but they have a tough game coming up next week if they lose that game and they're 0 and 4 and going into a bye week I don't think it'd be a surprise if Mike Zimmer loses his job oh wow I mean yeah. cuz he's on the hot seat and if he doesn't win this year you figure he's gone and you know, here you you know the here's the weirdest stat from this game coming up okay there's two teams in the league that have not had a snap out of the rookies minnesota seattle and minnesota had 11 draft choices wait Whoa. say that uh, repeat had, that stat again had DS of, of the of the 
Eskridge had a couple of yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet sweeps. Yeah, yeah. So you're right about that. Eskridge was out there, but Minnesota hasn't. I don't think they have a snap right now with any of their draft choices. You know, that's weird you say that because remember last year, Jefferson? Yeah. Uh, they didn't start. Well, they started. Or no, they didn't start him. And he had hardly any targets, Justin Jefferson. And he was their first-round draft choice right? last year. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Some teams don't want to play um, rookies. And you're right. Well, it's actually Cleveland, but still. So, yeah, at Cincinnati, at Arizona, and then they got Seattle coming in there, and then they got Cleveland coming mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. So they lose to the Seahawks. And, you know, Cleveland's a pretty good team. Oof. Dude, yeah. it's, it's bad. John, people texting in, uh, again, multiple texts on this one as well. So a collective Geno Atkins, what's the latest with him, and do you think the Hawks would still pursue him? I think they still might pursue him, yeah. I mean, again, it's like, uh, you know, I think they'd rather have uh, Brandon Monet healthy and, you know, be out there. And you can see that they still have, you know, at least a spot right now for L.J. Collier. But, I mean, when they only have three solid defensive tackles, I think that he still remains a consideration. And, you know, I think right now I mean, the emphasis is not on the defensive tackle position. I think the emphasis is now trying to figure out if they're going to continue to make any starts, at any changes at the cornerback position. Because, you know, I know that, uh, you know, the, when asked about it on Monday, Pete Carroll said that, uh, you know, uh, DJ Reed and uh, Trey Flowers are battling and you know certainly that means that uh, you know there's a thought there. It's like okay, we got Sidney Jones, we got uh, Bless Austin, you know, and next week uh, Trey Brown's going to be back on the roster. It's like uh, you know could change be in the offing? I would hope not for DJ Reed. I mean, you know, everybody in Seattle except me and maybe you know, a few more. I think even Dave and I don't know about Bob, but it's like uh, they want to run Trey Flowers out of town, which is a mistake. <laughs> I mean, it's brutal. Well, that leads to the 360. Professor, in your opinion, why does Coach Carroll seem to have an unexplainable attachment to Trey Flowers despite his continued same mistakes and weaknesses? Well, I mean, again, you say you say same mistakes. It's not like he's making five, six mistakes a game. Maybe it's one or two. And as Dave pointed out yesterday, that one completion wasn't on him. It was on Bobby Wagner not necessarily being over in the right position to help him out. Bobby doesn't make mistakes. We've all learned that. No, I'm not saying he made a mistake. It's just (laughs) that he wasn't in position to uh, be able to help him out because of the way that the play went. But, uh, I mean, I think people just are overly critical. And they're they're, right now, they're over. and, And again, to me, it sickens me on this one. I mean, they're overly critical on Ken Norton Jr. because they want him run out of town. And it's like, come on, man. I mean, he's popular with the players. He's a good coach. Pete Carroll supports him. Bobby Wagner supports him. I mean, he raised a lot of those linebackers, you know, K.J. Wright, for example, and Bruce Urban and all that stuff. Maybe he's a better linebacker coach as opposed to coordinator. Well, he was good toward the end of last year, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I could argue the schedule was definitely in their favor. I mean, we the schedule was tougher in the second half of the season. Dave went through and, and averaged out what his defenses ranked in mm-hmm. his time in the last six years, and there's not really a category he's excelled. I mean, just combine the average over his time from 2015 to 2020, Ken Norton defenses. Total yards, they've ranked 22nd. Passing yards, 24th. Rushing yards, 14th. Points allowed, 18th. Uh, third down conversion, 16th. He doesn't really excel any of these defenses in any category. Yeah, but how much of that is the rebuilding of the defense? Because, again, it's like you go from the Legion of Boom, and there's going to be an adjustment 
and it may take a couple years on that adjustment because again you're going to uh, you know different players and just like uh, we brought up at the beginning of the show you brought up at the beginning of the show is that uh, you know other than the three stars on the defense you know how many guys are real stars on this team and so you're you're building it with role players and last year at the beginning of the season going against some good quarterbacks on bad teams you know they uh, you know they got picked apart but as the season went on they got better and better and better and the pass rush came out well I think you can see that they're still good at the linebacker position they've got obviously two pro bowl safeties and you know there's got to continue to get better at cornerback well yeah and you know it's funny the thing with going back to Trey is that I think that a lot of people don't know how to evaluate corner play mm-hmm. you know because they're they just see a guy you know make a catch and then they're like okay that was on him and not necessarily but yeah it's 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 interesting but you know also we talk about this too John that isn't the defense Pete's I mean yeah. Pete Pete has a tremendous amount of say so I mean I guess you know what would Pete do fire himself <laughs> I well, mean look, maybe maybe bring somebody in that's got a different vision and say all right I'm gonna I'm gonna turn over the keys to you and see what you can get done here yeah he's not gonna do it during the season yeah well, and that would be a mistake. Right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, because, again, you're disrupting things too much <clears throat> and you're overreacting. I mean, say what you want. It's like you can criticize uh, you know, Ken Norton Jr. for last year. They still won 12 games. And say what you want about the game on Sunday. Sure, second half they fell apart, but they were still in position to win the game. Hey, uh, the Panthers, you think they're for real, John? Uh, we're not going to know after this week because no. Thursday night football is at Houston. Which Should they even play that game? <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, right. No, no, <laughs> we know that's well, and they're uh, Houston. They're rolling with the Stanford guy, the, yep, the quarterback, David, Davis Mills. Yeah, Davis Mills down there. But then after I, w- that, I wouldn't say that they're rolling with okay. Davis Mills. They're going with. They're going to get rolled over with Davis Mills. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then you know the next week they go to the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. you know Cowboys pretty good. That was a good win for them in San Diego. So yeah, I was watching them on Hard Knocks. I know there, you there, saw. There, there's no team in San Diego. Oh. Uh, yeah. There is to me. Oh, okay. there will always be the San Diego oh, okay. Chargers. Okay. Hey, did you hear this, John? I think that that one of the the owners during the broadcast. I think I accidentally called him. Uh, I called him San Diego a couple of times, and then I referenced it. And I guess uh, one of the owners of the uh, Chargers got mad about that. Who was that, Dean Spanos? Yeah, yeah. I think so. So yeah, I can understand. You can understand that. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> well, I was he's just going to have a joke. rough year. It's going to happen more than once. I'm going to go ahead and guess. Well, and didn't you say, John, that uh, that they don't have ownership in the stadium? The Rams do, mm. and the Chargers aren't they just renting space yeah. at SoFi? Well, they they helped uh, contribute money to the building of the stadium, and they are just renting. And yeah. so it's like they don't own it. It's I mean, it's you know Stan Kroenke owning it and uh, owning all the area around there. And so, uh, you know, they're kind of along for the ride. But the sad part is what was carrying over before they moved there, uh, you know, because they're in that the, the tennis facility, is that they still get outdrawn by visiting fans. Like even in the game on Sunday. Yeah. There was more wow. uh, more fans for the cow. What was it? The uh, they played the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. So there's more cowboy fans than there were Charger fans. So wow. wait, they they help pay for the stadium, you said, but they don't have any ownership stake in it at all. No. How does that work? So well, I mean, it, they, they they might have a small percentage, but again, uh, based on what they contributed. But Stan Kroenke owns this thing. I mean, he's the one who built it. It was four billion dollars. So. Yeah. Well. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, they, and, they, and also remember this: it's like uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> where Dean Spanos 
He's going to be very sensitive to all that. I mean, there's a lot of internal problems that he's facing with his family because one of his daughters wants him to sell the team and had a lawsuit, I think, against him. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of internal strife in that regard. Hey, uh, I like this Chargers at Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, even though Dallas went in and took it to – the Chargers, you think the Chargers were maybe hyped up a little bit, or is Dallas that good? And then how you think they're going to do in Kansas City? KC coming off a, lo- a loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Chargers still have the talent to be a playoff caliber team, a wild card team, but the Chiefs are the second best team in football. I don't care if they're one and one. <clears throat> the reason they're one and one is that Patrick Mahomes threw his first September interception in his career in the fourth quarter. And here he was driving down for what would have been the game-winning field goal where he had plenty of time to get it set up. And Edward Clyde Hilaire ends up fumbling the ball and losing it, and that killed the drive. Hey, John, I forgot to ask you about this. What do you think of the mid-season hard knocks that will be going on with the Colts? Mm, uh, right now, I don't like it. I mean, because, again, you know, Colts could be out of it by week five. Mm. And the reason is is that uh, you know, they're 0-2 you got two bad ankles on Carson Wentz, and they open up against five teams that had 10 wins or more. And so the chances of them winning aren't great right now. So you're seeing a Colt team that may be out of it that by that time. Do you like the idea? It's kind of an interesting idea that you're going to have a hard knocks happening basically midseason with a team, though. That's obviously different. We haven't yeah, seen that we've yet. We've never seen that. I don't know if I like it. I love hard knocks a lot. But, again, it's like uh, I think it's almost too much of a disruption for a team during the season. Yeah, no kidding, man. I mean, I wonder. So the NFL just basically said you have to do this. Or Jim Irsay agreed to do it. Yeah, I wonder why you would, though, because, you know, distraction during training camps, one thing. You know, there's lots of distractions. You don't have your whole set. But now, all of a sudden, you're prepping for a game, Mm -hmm. and that's – Hey, uh, are the Steelers the most banged-up team right now? Or is it still the Niners? No, it's Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, because Baltimore's down their top three running backs. You know, uh, all right. Yeah, <clears throat> they put the left guard on injured reserve. Their first round pick, wide receivers on injured reserve. You know, their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley's all banged up. He missed last week. You know, Matt Marcus Peters. You know, he's out for the season with an ACL. No, it's it's Baltimore and San Francisco's catching up again. And you have to, you have to start wondering about Denver. Because, you know, say what you want about Denver. I mean, they're off to a 2-0 start against two easy teams, and they have the Jets coming up at home this weekend. But, you know, they've lost two starters in each of the first two weeks. Hey, we see that uh, Fields is going to get the start for the Bears. Dalton's out with an injury. But we we heard the head man say, hey, Dalton is the starter if he's healthy. So I I guess this will depend on how Fields does. But once he's healthy, whether it's next week, two weeks, whatever it is, do you see them putting Dalton back in as the starter? Yeah, because, again, I think they have to be concerned about Fields' health. Because, I mean, you know, here's Andy Dalton. He was scrambling around with that bad offensive line, and he gets a knee bruise. Okay, I don't know how long it's going to keep him out. But now you have Justin Fields who holds the ball onto the ball, at least at, at Ohio State, you know, uh, 2.95 seconds. And behind that bad offensive line, he can be at risk. And so because of that, I mean, you worry about injuries with uh, Justin Fields, just like now we find out that Andy Dalton got hurt. John, we appreciate it. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. All right. If you missed any of today's cold hard facts brought to you by Coors Light Made to Chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com. Coming up, we got bonus flowers this week. It's part two of our conversation with Mike Blowers, and it's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.